This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Sherry Pauls. Sherry was born and raised in Manitoba, Canada, with half of her childhood living on a Mennonite colony in Mexico. Sherry was saved by grace and loves big. She married a third-generation farmer when she was just 19 years old, and 10 months later, they welcomed their first baby. Sherry has dedicated her life to helping people feel less alone in everything from mental health to being married to a farmer. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you that Sherry and I had. We had lots of laughs, and I think there were a few aha moments along the way. Before we get to this week's episode with Sherry, we have some updates to share with you. So I have been working behind the scenes with my team to make some updates over on Patreon. Now, if you don't know what Patreon is, it is a platform uh, that listeners like you can support creators like me uh, in sharing the amazing stories of women in agriculture through the Rural Women podcast. So there are different tiers of support over on Patreon that you can sign up for, as well as there is a free tier now. Um, And one of the cool perks that we are putting over on Patreon now is the transcripts from our newest episodes. So those will be available over on Patreon. So if you want to learn more about it, you can head to the link in the show notes to learn more about how you can sign up and support the stories of women in agriculture on the Rural Women podcast. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Sherry. Sherry, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing so good, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to start my day with you. It's like... (laughs) 
drinking a cup of coffee as soon as that camera turned on. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) Sherry, for the folks who are not familiar with you, tell us your background who you are, where you're from, and how you got your start in agriculture. Ooh, this is always a tough one, the like quick bios. Tell us um, who you are <laughs> in three minutes or less. <laughs> and go. And go. Yes, I'm Sherry. On Instagram, I am the ginger mom or the G mom. And I have been in like, I grew up in a farming town in Southern Manitoba, but I never was a part of agriculture until 20 years ago when I fell in love and got married and was thrust into the world that is generational farming. And just, I would say, passions of mine, well, just through kind of my own story, realized or enough good has been done in my life that if I didn't do something, it would go to waste. And I couldn't let that happen. I am an incredibly passionate person. I am a natural ginger. So all the red flags are there. <laughs> and uh, and I'm incredibly stubborn and determined and very, I, I never had the ability to hold my tongue, I guess I would say. And I am also raised Mennonite. And so a lot of my childhood was actually in Mexico on a Mennonite colony where life is very different there. But I had the privilege of still growing up with family members that there wasn't this like I never felt caged in and they always loved, not all, obviously my parents didn't love, but they like, I never felt that I was, I ever had to like pull my reins back. I was always able to express myself and be honest, which is something that's very, very important to me. I am fully saved by grace and I'm not a huge fan of religion, but I'm a big fan of Jesus. So if that's really, if I could think about something that would sum me up, I would say that I will say exactly what's on my mind, but I will love you so fiercely no matter what because I have been loved no matter what. So now my passion is talking to mostly to the agriculture community as a motivational speaker, but slowly but surely my passions are growing into more like women's mental health and especially, like I said, the in-law factor, which is something that I'm very passionate about. Right. And we're going to dive all into that today. One thing, tell us more about your farm. What do you do on your farm? over there in Manitoba. (laughs) So it is, like I said, fourth generation. And if our girls would farm, it would be fifth. And the jury is still out, but I I love seeing them each in their own incredibly unique ways add to the farm. We, yeah, Southern Manitoba, it's kind of like South of Winnipeg. We have, we we do lots of grains, like very, very different grains. We're very diversified. Everything from wheat to barley, to oats, to soybeans, to canola, to flax, to edible peas to like we do we do a lot of a lot of different stuff that I'm really proud is like tangible crops that I can just go to the field and fill my ice cream pail with and then bring back and use in the foods that I make that I love yeah we're very faith-based we are our roots run very very deep and I would say that if I could sum up my farm in one word it would be solid. We are a solid farm. Love that. And Sherry, I've I've known you on the internet for what feels like a really long time. And when you tell me that you've been married for 20 years, I don't believe you because to <laughs> me, you're only about, what, 25? So, <laughs> Well, the benefit of being ginger, I don't think there was ever, <laughs> I don't think there was ever a time in my life when my parents didn't have a hat on me. So I get the it sounds very, very arrogant to say. I get that a lot. <laughs> I can't be 25 because I have a daughter that's turning 20 this year. So. Right. 
And I don't even believe it. I do not believe it. (laughs) I will be 40 this year. And I'm completely proud to say that. But also, I get that it's a catch-22 with the fair skin and the everything like that. But yeah, yeah, I've been married for 20 years, and I have two daughters. Yeah, Emma, who is 19, and she's in college. And I have a redhead 16, Leah, who is, holy, just fill in whatever you want to put there. Just like mama. <laughs> just like mama. Yeah, it's funny. So... You obviously were married very young and you started your family very young. And in this day and age, in 2024, that's something that some of us can't, I can't comprehend because, okay, to be honest, this is like very, you know, off topic and we could probably have a whole podcast about this. (laughs) I say this quite a lot in social settings that I feel like if I were to have a child now, I would feel like it was a teen pregnancy and I'm 33 years old. (laughs) So. you essentially, you got to grow up being a young mom. And that's something that lots of people and lots of my friends experienced. And it's something that I didn't experience, but I got to live through that. And you, you know, you said you married into an agriculture family and relatively young. So talk to us about the initial challenges that you faced, not only as a young mom, but as a young person moving into this farming in-law role. Yeah, that could be a podcast in itself. It was the best worst thing that ever happened to me. I definitely like, and this is not a secret. I definitely would did not plan on having a honeymoon baby. She was a honeymoon baby and to not get like, and you can like edit this out if you want, but like I was on birth control and it was a complete shock. But if I think back, it sounds super cringy, but she saved me. The state that I was in mentally was not a place that would that I would have thrived in. And I failed time and time again. But what I've noticed just from, even just from that, from having Emma at 19 and then having Leah planned and ready to go, I would say in all brutal honesty, which is something that I really want to warn your viewers on, I am brutally honest. I was a worse mom with Leah than I was with Emma. I had way too much expectations on myself. I had thought that I had figured it out. And I was arrogant and still mentally unhealthy. And not that I'm a fully mentally healthy person now. I hope that I get better and better every day. But if I think back to how horrible my mental state was, it got to the point where I had to be hospitalized. And it was, again, the best, worst time of my life. It was, if I think about where I was at when I had Emma, there was something in my mind that said, it's not about you anymore. It's not about you anymore. And it almost set the foundation to be an agriculture wife, to realize the benefit of letting go of that control and thinking that that you're going to have it figured out. You don't. And realizing that just because this happened this day doesn't mean now this is the rest of your life. And just and then with having the second one with Leah, we had so much health complications. She was six weeks early and it was she was it was scary and I was ill and I wish that I would have had the same mentality of the innocent 19-year-old and just the carefree, like whatever happens, happens. I'm just winging this and not having that arrogance of like, oh, now I got it all figured out or I can just research it. And because that's bullshit like that. No one, no one can research children enough because each child is so different and you or yourself is so different. So yeah. What was the question? That answers the question of, you know, how the challenges that you had and how you face them. And I think it's to compare it to my own story. And you're talking about, you know, the arrogance of 
well, if I research this, then I will be prepared enough. I, I don't know if that's the millennial in us um, where we we have the access to research, right? And I, I've shared the story of before I got married and before I moved to the farm, I would spend my lunch break from my job researching what I was supposed to do as a woman on a farm and a quote farm wife, what I was supposed to do. So when, when I read all of these things of what people were doing, I was like, man, this looks, I could do this. <laughs> this looks great. And then fast forward, you know, the six month to nine month mark of my first year of marriage. And I was in the fetal position because I mentally was not well. I, I can relate to this. It's just like, well, I read this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Why can't I handle this? Why can't I do this? And it's the expectations that you put on yourself instead of being curious enough to know to know that you can just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and as millennials, we were like, we learned, we had to teach ourselves the ultimate fast-paced technology. Like we had to teach ourselves the internet and we had to teach ourselves computers and we had to teach ourselves smartphones. And now like, it's hilarious to say that I, I have to teach my dad how to print a document and I have to teach my daughter how to print a document. So like we, that is why I think we struggle with the like, it's okay that like I've come where I'm at now I'm okay not knowing everything. I still want to know. I still want to research and do not and have knowledge and and do the work, but the level like where I can step back and be like, wow, I screwed that up. And I just hope that like we have a saying in this household, it's not a mistake if you learn something. And that I screw up still daily. And back when I when I was young and I had those little babies, it just holy moly did I screw up. I sucked all the time. And to just don't stay there, you know, like, oh, you can always be better. But also, like, sometimes you got to be humble. <laughs> right. I feel like the humbleness factor comes with age. Yeah. <laughs> and through those screw-ups, uh, you get more humble each and every time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, you know, being an in-law at the age of 19 and coming on to a multi-generational farm is obviously challenging in so many ways. Can you share your experience and the ways that you have grown over the last 20 years when it comes to being that in-law on the farm? Mm, This I could write a book on, and I would hope that that book would never be done just with how I am still, still learning and still making the same mistakes, but also making successes. I was my in-laws probably worst nightmare. <laughs> I was not traditional, like a traditional, like in a patriarchal sense. I was not, I met my husband in a, the mechanic shop I was working in. I was working on his car and it was exactly, it was like Hallmark movie romance. Like it was, it was very like not your average small town it's, it was a country song. I always joke. But when I got married and had that first year, and granted, we also were pregnant and having a baby, I almost ran. I almost ran for the hills. I spoke my mind and was met with brick walls. And I tried to know everything and tried to be confident. And I was extremely humbled very quickly. And I, I'm lucky enough to be in a farming family where they have family meetings and they communicate as good. Like when I think about all the stories I've heard myself and the journeys that I've been on from other farming families, I am incredibly privileged. 
with the farming family that I married into. The males in this family are incredibly secure and very open to hearing what we have to say with respect. I did not, those first years, I did not have respect when I was talking about things that we were doing, trying to learn. I just wanted to be in, like, just get me in there. Just put me in a piece of machinery. And they're like, well, whoa, you need to first, there's a little bit of a, there's a journey here. And that wasn't the role that I, that they needed from me. They said, like, we have lots of people to drive machinery. We need you in the dreaded word for me, kitchen. And I bucked at that as hard. And I, because I've never been a natural talent in the kitchen. I have come to realize that love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And if I love my family and I can do this beautiful thing for them, then that is a success in itself. It's not a success that I, I can go out there, which I do as well. I'm, I'm often under a piece of machinery, helping and greasing and replacing belts and tires. Like I, I, that part I love. That's, that's the part of the job that's like sunshine to me, very life giving. The kitchen part, it does 20 years still feels like a prison a little bit, <laughs> but when I see, because we do field meals, we I pack up a trailer and I drive out to the field and the family comes out with the kids and everything. And we have this, every single harvest supper we have on the field as a family. That is success to me. The successful of, I got my ass out there, I got the food in the tummies, and now they're back out. And like, I wish I could tell my like younger self, take success, whatever you think success is, and toss it out the window. To have an open mind, way more of an open mind, and to let go of whatever you think you know about farming. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't know. And because what works for one farmer doesn't work for one farmer, doesn't work for one farmer. And each person is so vastly different in their values, in their work ethic, in just even in the like, what oil to put in the freaking tractor. Like you, to have a step back, take emotion. It sounds super dumb, but take emotion out of it as much as you can and just try to think logically and try to think passively and not nearly, I'm incredibly aggressive and I'm, I was very aggressive at the beginning. And since then I've learned the art that I, I'm, I haven't lost anything of myself. I'm still completely authentically myself. And my in-laws have also then benefited from learning boundaries and learning. We can trust Sherry in this and we can question Sherry on this. And that there's grace there. Like, we don't need to stand in judgment. We can stand in awe of each other. Well, and I think when I think of that, I think of the curiosity factor of it. And I think, you know, even for myself, coming into this situation, not being curious enough to ask the questions without the judgment that would come before or after that, just to be curious to learn different ways of doing things or being open to learning new things. And I have I have a lot of respect for people who have the know-with-all to look back and say, these are the things that I did wrong. These are the things that I wish I would have done differently. And to be humble enough to share those with everyone because that's how we learn and that's how we also go back and reflect. Because as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, was I was uh, I a little stubborn? Was I a little hard headed? Absolutely. Am I still that way sometimes? Most of the time. But <laughs> well, it's what makes us resilient. It's what makes us strong. It's what makes us like so again, what I've learned and through like 
friends and therapy and all these things, this journey that I've gone on. And it's not even close to over. Like I, like I said, I'm turning 40 this year. That's not, there's no nails in my coffin yet. And, but like, just to, <laughs> to realize, to let go of what you think, what you think makes you like, well, no, then I'm, I'm changing my values or I'm changing who I am. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not if you look really deep at your heart and look at, this is again, ugly selfishness. And look at being needing to be right all the time and everything to be fair. Like there's again words in our house, like when my girls say that's not fair, and I say, what? And they're right away is like, I know it's not like because fair is a four-letter word in our house. It's not fair, it's understood. Like there is there's a difference between <laughs> between being needing to be right and we all just want to be heard. We just want to be heard and we want respect. And when you realize I can listen to you and you can listen to me, we don't, and also we don't need to agree. Where is that written that we have to agree? We don't, but there needs to be a respect. And I'm living, like I am sitting in the house that my father grew up in and that my husband grew up in, and now I'm raising my daughters in. That also could be a part of itself of moving onto the homestead that has like the in-laws, the non-farming family members, how does it all fit in? It is a cluster. It is a cluster of of a mess that is not, but it's not impossible to work through. It's not, I promise. <laughs> that could definitely be another podcast episode <laughs> for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, friends. I'm Caitlin Dubin, and I am beyond excited to invite you to the Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference being held at the Hyatt Regency in Calgary, Alberta, March 17th to 19th, 2024. As a first-generation farmer, a storyteller, and a community builder, I have had the incredible privilege of sharing the inspiring stories of women in agriculture through my podcast, the Rural Woman Podcast since 2019. With over half a million downloads, we've been able to amplify the voices of women in agriculture, just like yours worldwide. I'll be hosting a presentation titled The B Word. And no, it's not what you're thinking. This presentation is all about challenging conventional notions while mixing humor and wisdom and offering a fresh perspective on what success looks like. So mark your calendars, pack your bags, let's come together at the Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference to learn, share, and grow together. I cannot wait to see you in Calgary. Sherry, what advice do you have for folks who may be just starting out in their in-law journey on the farm? You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. First and foremost, the man or woman that you are marrying, that is the farmer, there needs to be, it's not like you're just marrying him. You are marrying not only his lifestyle, you are marrying his land, you are marrying his debt, you are marrying a lot of things. And the communication, it's very cliche to say, because marriages should be based off of good communication. Farming, it should be like, you should have a gun to your head every day that you communicate. Like it, it should be so seriously ingrained in you to communicate or you will fail. It is very black and white to me. So communicate with your spouse or your fiance, whoever it is of expectations. It is uh, not, like I said, not just a job. It is this lifestyle of like 
deep rooted drive and honor. And if I had known what was coming, I would have maybe had a little bit more conversation with my husband that I was so madly in love with because you're young and you're in love and you don't think about those things. And then once you have established a comfortable place with your fiance, spouse, whatever it is, then now take the next step and have that sit down family meeting with the in-laws. I don't know what that looks very different for a lot of people. We have used mediator in the, just with the transitional stuff, just to make sure that, like I said, there's, it's not just your husband and a mom and dad, there's a brother, there's a sister, there's a non-farming sister that lives out there. There's a non-farming brother that lives out there. Like there's, there's lots of factors that, that I did not realize. And I wish that I had, and then take away all the, like, (laughs) I still, again, I still struggle with this completely. The, the fake arguments you have in your head, the fake things that you want to say, like the things that you want to say. And the like, when he says this, I'm going to say this. And if they do that again, I'm going to do that again. And it is just, can that like the bitterness and the, it's just poison in you. And the sucky thing is if the very long winded answer to your question, sorry, sit down, have that like, and not just sit down, but I would encourage people to have like, give them questions to answer. Like, what are your expectations of me? What are, what can I expect of you? What, how, how do I fit in? What can I, like, the boundaries go on both sides so that both sides feel heard and understood and respected. Have that tough conversation. And it does help to send out like a questionnaire beforehand, before this meeting, but make that meeting, sit down, talk. It's icky, but it's worth it. Right. Well, and I feel like once you have that first initial icky conversation or the awkwardness, then the next one's probably not as awkward and continue on. But I find it, you know, obviously we we hear this over and over and over again about communication being the most important aspect of any relationship. I think communication is, but I also think understanding is an interpretation, right? Because we can communicate, we can communicate what our expectations are, but there is no saying that what they heard is what you meant. So having the interpretation on the other end, so saying, if I heard you correctly, this is what I heard, that going back and forth. It's really interesting sometimes of, you know, we can explain ourselves and what the other person hears isn't what we meant. And I think it really falls back on the emotion that goes into this communication Mm. is unlike any other, because when we think of it, our farming families, they're a business. And in any other business, in any other family business, it would be the same thing. But with farming, it's so intertwined. There's business and family, but they're so put together that it's, you can't, it's hard to take the emotion out of it. So how do we take the emotion out of it? Oh, <laughs> if you find out, you let me know. Yeah, anyone listening, you let us know. <laughs> Again, because I fly off the handle way too quickly. Like I heard someone say once, and they worded it perfectly. You'll never know the depth of a redhead's heart. I will get very mad, very big, but I will forgive you just as big. And I, <laughs> I have to a fault, to a fault where I speak before I think. And it's incredibly fiery and it's incredibly aggressive. And then I step back and go, that did not come out how I wanted it to. To take emotion out of it would just be ideal. And again, stressing, start with your, like, like I said, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever it is, 
make sure they're always on your team as soon as, and like to, again, to a fault, like where, like my, (laughs) my husband is an adrenaline junkie. Like we do anything fast and stupid, which is why he married me. The joke always is. And because he, (laughs) he loves the rush. (laughs) But to know that if we get into a conversation, he's going to not only have my back, but also be able to in kind and like in, in loving, he's also a firefighter, which is hilarious to me because you could do a whole psychological test on our relationship of putting out fires. And, but he also knows not always perfectly how to rein me in and to have that, like, like I said, 20 years we've been married. It has been hard fought. It has been fights and struggles and fights and struggles of figuring out the balance of can you be in my court here? And you have overstepped. Maybe it's time. Yeah. yeah. It's give and take. <laughs> and I think that's in any relationship. And whether that's in business or whether that's in marriage or partnership or whatever it is, looking back over, well, for me, oh, seven years, seven years. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a learning experience. And for me, you know, not growing up in agriculture and having friends who were also not in agriculture, watching their relationships versus my relationships, it's so different. And the conversations that we have over drinks of, you know, boundaries when it comes to in-laws and all of those things, they're very different. But at the end of the day, it's all the same of setting a boundary. So Sherry, for you, What's the advice that you have for somebody looking to start setting those boundaries if they haven't already? Where do we start for that? The first, very, very first thing you have to get in your head over and over again. And then you have to reiterate to the people that you are setting the boundaries to, whether that be your in-laws or whatever the case may be, is we set boundaries. Like, what are your intentions? So we set boundaries to keep you in my life. I set boundaries to you and I'll like pick on my beautiful mother-in-law. I doubt she'll ever listen to this, (laughs) but she is the classic. Like she's, if you would look up farm wife, it's her. She's perfect. Like she has the perf. She had, she had her shit together. And she also has been married for decades, like decades more than me. And I constantly was comparing myself to her. And I was constantly trying to be something that I wasn't. And when I realized that when I was setting the boundaries, it was hard for her and hard for me. And it still is. Like we share a huge garden, her and I, all summer long. We're in each other's faces all the time. And to realize what are your intentions with those boundaries? Are they selfish? Are they nasty? Or are they to keep that person in your life? Because that's what healthy boundaries do. I want to set these boundaries so that you and I can maintain this amazing relationship. And you have to, that's, that's step one has to be step one. And then after that, it it, actually, everything becomes quite easy if your heart is in the right place. I love that. And I think that's probably one of the best ways I've heard it explained is I'm doing this so we can have a relationship, not so I push you out of my life or my partner's life or my children's life or anything. It's to keep us on a good path. And at the end of the day, like you said, if your heart's in the right place, then it's going to be easy after that. I love that. Sherry, we obviously met on the internet where I meet all of my friends. (laughs) (laughs) What inspired you to start sharing your story and to share your journey in agriculture online? Oh, 
like I mentioned earlier, my story, my pre-farming story is a horrible one. It's horrible. And I don't want to glamorize anything. I don't want to dwell on things that I've healed from. But looking back, or at least I got to a point when I saw how far I'd come and how far I had to go, I saw a community in need. And I saw that I I was going to say I was not equipped, but it's not that I wasn't equipped. I, I felt very uneducated in in like where mental health and farming, which you is your which you excel at, Caitlin, like your bread and butter. And I love, love, love what you're doing in in this world. The amount of people, as soon as I would share just a kernel, a kernel of something, my inbox would be flooded with people that say, I thought I was alone. Or how can you say that like with such bravery? And it's like, it's not bravery. It's just, I've had so much healing and good that has happened in my life compared to the horrible, horrible stuff that happened here. How could I not? How could I just sit on it? I am not afraid to stand in front of tens of thousands of people. It doesn't matter. I have never had that fear. I have many other fears. So don't think I'm fearless by any means. But God has given me the gift of speaking, of standing in front of a crowd. Why? How could I ever let that go to waste? It just, something clicked for me. It felt like I was stepping into something that I was born to do. And each time I do it, I, the goosebumps, I, I, I come alive. And it just, it's still like, I think, I sometimes think to myself, well, I've said everything I, I can say and there's nothing else to help people with. And then I'll, all of a sudden something will come in my brain and I'll say something else. And there it is again. I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one. And that actually enrages me that there are so many people sitting there in their homes thinking that they're alone, that mothers are thinking that I'm a bad mom because I thought I really wish I could just escape my kids for five days. And that's not like, or if I have to look at my in-laws one more time at harvest, I will tear their eyes out. Like the things that we think, and then we immediately feel the shame and the guilt. They do not need to sit here. They do not need to sit so heavy on your chest. And I have become very passionate warrior like <laughs> for breaking those barriers of guilt and shame and saying just say like think that thought say that thought that's not who you are that's not your identity and let it float away like it doesn't need to take up space it doesn't need to feel heavy because and you are not alone so 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 much you're not alone and that you're loved yeah i think you know the part of people you know continuing to feel like i must be the only one that's gone through this I hate to say it, you're probably not. And for the people who hear these things and think you must, you must be brave, you must be no, I'm sorry, we're not. Mm -mm. I honestly feel like I'm not brave to say these things. I feel though that the person who said it before me was brave to say it because they gave me the courage to say it. And I I believe that confidence is built through courage and you have to have the courage before you can get the confidence to be able to go out and continue to share those stories and to continue to share the messages that we have and whether that's through mental health whether that's through you know your lived experiences on a farm or off of a farm or where wherever it is that i'm only as confident as my courage has allowed me to be and yeah the first time you say these things you kind of start thinking, oh my God, like, <laughs> what are people going to say? You know, and again, I've been met with pushback. You know, I've been met with like, you know, 
if you only tried harder at meditating, maybe <laughs> you wouldn't need, you know, your antidepressant. Oh, thanks, yeah. Karen. Like, I'm good. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I buy my dopamine in this bottle. Like, and they refill it every month for me the serotonin, the dopamine, all of the things that I need. And, you know, it's, I always find it really fascinating, like you said, for the people who still come out of the woodworks and say, like, I didn't know I needed to hear this. And I think it's so special because I think there's a lot of folks out there, and, you know, I will single out women in particular, that will see somebody doing something that they wish they could do. And they think, I can't do that because somebody else is already doing it. I think it's so important that each and every one of us understands that we are unique to a fault because we are different humans. The way that we receive information is going to be different. The way that we say information is going to be different. So if people are sitting there thinking, they're listening to this being like, I couldn't interview women in agriculture because Caitlin already does it. Please go do it for me because <laughs> there wasn't Strength enough in people, numbers, right? Yeah. Strength in numbers. And you're going to do it differently than I'm going to do it. Or you're going to speak on mental health differently than Sherry does it or whomever, right? Like there was a reason, you know, the saying like build a bigger table because all of these stories and all of the information that we can share and, you know, relate our stories to people the more the better because there's always going to be that person that hears it differently and thinks that's exactly how I needed to hear it. Yes. And it's not, oh, it's, she's not your competition. She is your warrior. Like she is your soldier standing by your side. So we need to build an army and we need to have strength in numbers. And I agree a hundred percent. I agree. I agree. If I could have a designation of like professional hype girl, that's that's who I would be. Like for <laughs> when people come up to me and tell me, you know, different ideas or different stories, or they think, you know, I've had people come up to me and I've, you know, been hosting events and things like that. People are like, I want your job. Like, I want you to have my job. Please do, because that means hopefully <laughs> I've either grown into a different position or I won the lottery and I don't have to do this anymore. But <laughs> either way, I probably still would. But <laughs> this world is is big enough we can share for one. And two, the sad thing is, is that there is no end to hurt and pain. And the more love and help we can pump into it, the better. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's, you know, there's room for all of us. And I know it's really cliche and all of the Pinterest things are popping up in your mind right now. <laughs> yeah. But there's truth to them. And I just think if you're feeling alone and you're feeling alone in your feelings, the best thing you can do is share that mm -hmm. and see what comes out of it. Because I can almost guarantee there's not a lot of scenarios that you would be feeling that somebody else has not experienced at some point in their journey. Mm -hmm. Yep. A burdened shared is a burden halved and joy shared is joy doubled. Absolutely. Sherry, what's next for you? What's on the bucket list? What's on the dream vision board for 2024 <laughs> and beyond? <laughs> oh, sky is never the limit with me. I am. Yeah. I'm hoping to, like I said, I'm taking, I'm someone that like I said, acts and then steps back and says, okay, maybe we should think a little bit. So I, I'm learning to step back. I'm learning to build a good foundation of, like, I have no problem being motivational speaker, being Instagram personality, social media, all of that. It comes very easily. I struggle with the business aspect of it. 
So I want to become a way more professional business speaker or business motivational speaker, whatever that looks like. I want to learn how to organize my time and make a legit business out of this passion that I feel. I want to monetize, if you will, the God-given gifts that I have. So I'm trying to get training in that actively. And I have a couple speaking engagements. I'm also like a professional MC because I love to crack jokes and I love to be the center of attention all the time because I'm a middle child. <laughs> and <laughs> Shamelessly. So I'm emceeing some events and it's becoming really cool to see where my path is going to go. And I just love thinking a year from now, you're not going to recognize me. Like it's, I'll, I'll be someone new and I'll be someone hopefully stronger and better and braver and bigger and whatever the case may be. So dreaming would be making a legit or <laughs> organized, <laughs> a legit business of the public speaking, emceeing, all that kind of stuff. Amazing. Carrie, my final question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? <gasps> Not going to the freaking grocery store. I would say <laughs> I love, 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 love going to my pantry, going to my field, going to my garden, going to my gun safe <laughs> and, and, and then filling my families, tummies and freezers and all these things with things that I have, like that we have grown and that we have harvested and that we have preserved and canned. And if you would have told me even five years ago, I would have laughed in your face because that is not where I thought my path would go as homesteady as I have become, but I have become feral with it. Like it's, I would say the most rewarding thing is now in winter and still eating vegetable soup that I've canned and having tomato sauce and having meat in our freezer from animals and things like that. 100%. Oh, good. And friends, if you have not seen Sherry's garden on the internet before, it's amazing to me. It it's is a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. It's, it's a big just, one. It's a lot bigger than my little my little square boxes. <laughs> and I like, to anyone out there listening, I, I am not a professional. I was not taught. I watched TikToks and YouTube videos and I failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. And I still fail. But I will be damned if I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. Sherry, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I have loved our conversation. For the folks listening who would like to connect with you online, where can they find you? I am on Instagram as the ginger mom or the G underscore mom. And hopefully someday there is a website that you can legit visit that has all my merch and all my catchy one-liners and all those things. Perfect. I will be sure to link that in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Thank you again, Sherry. I truly appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, 
please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either, but in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman Podcast Studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast get ad-free episodes starting at Tier 5 on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon.